Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to teach from 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10. And I wanted to have a conversation with us concerning the assignment of God. It's important for me to have a conversation with us on the assignment of God, how to know your assignment. The Bible says that, Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. There is a fall away that Peter explains in the verse 10, which is quite different from the usual definitions of falling away. In fact, the literal word there also is translated as offense. There are offenses in the ways of God that are so hidden or hard to be interpreted by those who have not yet known the ways nor the heart of God. Some people only understand offense in the area of the wrong things that can easily be alluded to. You insult somebody and then you say, oh, I'm offended. So you understand offense at that degree. But there are offenses that are deduced to the responsibilities that pursue our callings, assignments, anointings, right? For example, when the Bible says that may love abound in all knowledge and judgment that you may prove the things most excellent that you not have offense on the day of Christ. That's one example of offense. That if your love does not abound in knowledge and in judgment, you will not be able to approve the things which are excellent. And so the Spirit of God will question the sincerity of your operation and you'll carry offense on the day of Christ. This is not directly insulting somebody. You might not be directly insulting somebody. Here he talked about walking in love where you carry no knowledge or in judgment. You will offend. You'll offend the Spirit of Christ. I'll give you an example. If you have a little child who is maybe three or four years 
and they come, your daughter or your son, and they slap you. <clears throat> and they kick you and say, I hate you in public. And then because you love them, you say, oh, come here, you sweet baby. And you hug them. Are you following what I'm saying? You love, you're expressing love to that child, but you have offended by the principles of parenthood because that's not how they raise children. I've been around people like that. That kid does something so silly. Silly means unserious. And they brush it off like the kid just ate extra candy. Don't do it again, Robbie. Don't do it again. Come and play your PlayStation. You know why some of you have said, ah, because you were raised in families. <laughs> the man and woman that raised me, they looked at you and you knew how many canes they were going to give you. <laughs> You're following what I'm saying? In loving your child, you have not loved in knowledge and judgment. And you'll have offense. So if you lose that child one day, the Bible says raise up a child in the way they should go. When they grow, they will not what? Depart. So if your child goes off course one day, that means that you did some offense one day in love. In love. The other day we were having a conversation of parents. And this is a true story that happened. These parents were so rich. So because they were so rich, when their kids were going to school, they used to give them pocket money in dollars. Somebody gets $1,000, $2,000 and says, go to school and study hard. High school, Uganda. No, no, I know you're rich. But you know what it's like for a kid to walk in school with dollars, $1,000, $2,000? Well, some of you, <laughs> The pocket money they've given you is worth five dollars. I don't know what some parents think. Doesn't matter how rich you are, you must discipline your children to carry the same discipline you carry to maintain the wealth you have. Hallelujah. Or else their children you see from five years old, six and know they are gone. Only by God can they be restored. But they've been set wrong. Are you following me, child of God? That's love that is not given in judgment, true judgment and knowledge. So there are offenses of that level. Now look at this kind in Peter where he says, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. The word there also says, you shall never offend. You shall never offend. Tayo. Tayo. The, 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 the Greek word there is tayo. You shall never offend. You shall never error. You shall never stumble. It means the same words. So there is a stumbling where calling and election are not reconciled. And in this instance, the calling is the assignment. Hallelujah. 
it's easier to understand the call of God on your life. But it's harder to explain the assignment of God on your life. And yet the scriptures are clear. God, through his word, has separated the call and the assignment. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. He says, But as God has distributed to every man, comma, as the Lord has called everyone, comma, so let him walk and so ordain I in all churches. So Paul was ordaining men which were, had both understood their calling and understood their election. As God has distributed to every man, that's assignment. And as the Lord has called everyone, that's calling. So let him walk and so ordain I in all the churches. In other words, in the place of ordination, we made sure that every time we positioned the man into a place of service, we were sure firstly that they were called, secondly that they were assigned by God. Hallelujah. The assignment as well comes from the Lord. The work of the apostolic, even in the early church, was affirming what God had called and assigned. We don't assign. I know some ministers went through ordination ceremonies, but it has never been given as a cardinal responsibility to the church to ordain a minister. That's not the way of the Spirit. The Bible says, before I formed thee, Jeremiah 1.5, in the belly, he said, I what? knew thee and before you came out of your mother's womb he said i what sanctified thee and i ordained thee a prophet among nations we don't ordain men god does so, so those of you who are ordained you are ordained under man's order i'm sorry maybe that's why you're carrying heavy burdens because you're not building after a pattern given by heaven our work with apostles or prophets, whatever councils that are ordained by God to help in the commissioning of people, we are simply affirming. We do the work of separation in affirmation for what God has already ordained people to be. No man can anoint you. God anointed you. We are only the extension of the affirmation. Hallelujah. You're just an extension as a minister to affirm what God already put on a person's life. Or God can use you to star what is already in a person, to awaken what God has already put in that individual. Praise the Lord Jesus. Or you can extend a grace, your grace on a person, but as you extend your grace on that person, it can only alight when it reconciles with what God has already put in them. If there is nothing in them, what's on you is not enough. The Bible says it. Hallelujah. He's the God who makes the plant grow. One will plant, one will water, but he's the God who has the power to make the plant grow. That's important. So when he says, but as God has distributed to every man, there he's talking about the assignment. And as the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk. Walk both in the calling of God and the assignment of God on your life. If you go back to the story of 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, the 16th verse, I found this, I think, of good explanation for those of you who want to understand this. Job was called in the army 
of David. You remember? The one time David sees a woman bathing and then he takes her for himself, but Sheba, which was a wife to a man called Uriah. And after he takes on Uriah, he tells Joab, his commander, to go and position Uriah somewhere. So the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11 verse 16, and it came to pass when Joab observed the city, he assigned Uriah a place where he knew that valiant men were. You see, the called man into the army was assigned a place where valiant men were. Even in the army, God places us differently. Yeah, I know you sing. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. But where are you positioned? Some of you are carrying drugs. <laughs> Some of you are cooking. It's okay. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says there's a place where the valiant stood. The valiant stood. That means even in the things of God, there are many says, uh-uh, this group is assigned differently. They know what to do when I send them out. Hallelujah, somebody. They know what to do when I send them out. Now, I think you understand the meaning of assignment. And it amazed me as I studied scripture to see that even the earth and everything within is assigned by God as it is called by God. Ooh, Proverbs 8.29, read the Amplified Version. I feel the presence of God even saying this. The Bible says, when he gave to the sea its limit and his decree that the waters should not transgress across the boundaries set by his command. Even the waters can transgress. A river can transgress. God can judge a river and say, you've gone to a course I did not command you. You have extended your boundaries beyond my appointed stones. So when he set the foundations of the earth, he even told rivers where to end. If they should extend, they can only extend by his command. They cannot go beyond the set assignment or else they transgress. These things that seem like they don't have any intellect, they have an intellect that is functional with divine purpose. What an amazing world we live in. What an amazing world we live in. They know how they should deal with man. They know how they should respond with God. That is why when Jonah disobeys the command of God to go to Nineveh and deliver a prophetic message, the scriptures tell us the winds became boisterous and the sheep started swaying and these men knew they were in a vortex almost about to sink. And they said, somebody must have wronged their God. These winds are not normal. You read Jonah 1.5. He says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten them up. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Next verse, verse 6. So the shipmasters came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. You see, it's capital. Hmm? If so be that God will think upon us that we perish. Verses 7. And they said everyone to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for those 
who's caused this evil is upon us. They knew the waves cannot shake like this when there is nobody who has wronged God. This is important. There must have been somebody who had gone off course. Boats just don't sink. Are you following what I'm saying? Because they have a command with God on how they should deal with man. I'm not saying just go in water because the waters understand you. Knowledge and judgment. Otherwise you'll offend. <laughs> you know some people are very, they have faith without wisdom. Praise the Lord Jesus. But are you seeing what I'm saying? Every creature on the earth made by God has a distinct calling and it has a defined assignment. But you're dealing with people who both don't know their calling, know their assignment. And you're living every day. That means if you're not stumbling, you will stumble or you are already stumbled. You're already in some sort of offense. You cannot leave God's best. And in fact, if you study that very word, tayo, which I was reading, it also means making a mistake. So I can actually say that make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will not make a mistake. You are bound to be in error if you have not taken the diligence to make your calling and election sure. And he has given you the guarantee that if you do these things, you shall never fall. He says, why? In verse 11, for an entrance will be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting realm of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The word therefore kingdom is realm. God will introduce you to a realm that will undergird and preserve you from the offense that those which have not known their election or calling fall in easily. And he continued to say, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, even though you know them and have been established in the present truth. This is something Peter says, This it has to be emphasized over and over and over until everybody at the sound of my voice, everybody that we're able to reach has fully understood their positioning in God, their calling in God, their assignment in God. There are things you will never experience until you understand the assignment of God on your life. There are realms that will never open to you until you are signed. There are graces that will never pursue you until you are positioned where God can use you. Because I know many men which are called, but very few have understood the assignment of the Spirit. I know many people who are gifted and they confuse their giftings with the assignment of God. You can be gifted right. You can even be burdened right. You can carry a conviction that is true, but go in the wrong assignment. The scriptures have told us about examples of men like Paul. In Galatians, he says that when James, Peter, and John, which seemed to be the pillars, saw the grace which was given unto me and Barnabas, the Bible says, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen as they to the 
circumcised. James, Peter, and John looked at Paul and Barnabas and realized that even though they were apostles like them, they knew that the grace which was given to them was given to them for the uncircumcised. And as it was given to them, James, Peter, and John to the circumcision. So even though James is an apostle, the assignment on his life is to the circumcised. Even though Paul is an apostle, the assignment on his life is to the uncircumcised. Now, the mistake Paul would make is because he thinks that he's an apostle, he would enter the jurisdiction to exercise himself among the circumcised. That would be an error. I don't care how anointed you are, that realm will spit you. Are you following me, child of God? Some of you know this. And I've seen ministers who are opposed in every way. And I want to tell this minister, the reason actually you are opposed, it's not because you're not anointed. It's not because you don't have the cover of the anointing on your life. It's not because you don't have the wisdom to run this thing. It is because you are in the wrong assignment. Go back to the Bible. There was never a time a Gentile persecuted or beat up Paul. Not once. Every time Paul was beaten, you saw stories that beginners, he went into the synagogue. Synagogue belongs to the Jews. He enters Judea and then he goes into synagogues. You see always, it was the Jews that pursued Paul because he always found himself either in Jerusalem trying to preach to them or in their synagogues that were scattered abroad. Acts 14, 19 says, And there came here certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people having stoned Paul. They stoned Paul. Why did they stone Paul? Because he always used to go in two the synagogues to preach the gospel. He was as anointed as any man could be, but he was not assigned to the Jew. This is important. So some of you, the things that are opposing you, the things that are fighting you, maybe you're even in the wrong job. Hey. But because you did not seek God on this job, you, you were just desperate. You entered the job desperate. Well, there are times where you can enter these things because you don't know God. But this is a time where you must know. The Bible says in the days of ignorance, God winked. But now he calls that all men repent. There was a time you didn't know. So God would look out and say, ah, this one is ignorant. They're doing things because they don't know what they're doing. But now he commanded all men everywhere to repent. Change your mind. Metanoia. Align yourself to my will and purposes. Don't go to a job when you've not prayed. Don't enter a marriage when you've not sought my opinion. Don't do a business deal when you've not heard from me. You'll be in trouble. And some of you are in trouble, not because you're bad people, not because you are not aligned intellectually, not because you're not equipped, you carry all the equipment in the world, but everything around you does not agree. You think it's a generational curse, you think it's some uncle's auntie's uncle who hates you, your grandmother's demon spirit is pursuing you, and if we go back right now to reconcile these things against truth, we'll actually find that you're not where God assigned you. You're actually in the place of mistakes. The Bible says they are vanity and they become a work of error. In the days of visitation, they perish. Where God should intervene in their time, they die in the time where God should have helped them. Why? Because they are a work of error. They are a mistake all from foundation. They never understood their assignment. They never understood their assignment. Peter goes to Rome. And I know the temptation of Peter. 
Why? Because he was the available vessel when God needed to open the gospel to the Gentiles. Again, I repeat, he was the available vessel. He goes to the house of Cornelius. The scriptures tell us. And then as he's preaching, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. He sees such a grace in the Gentiles and he gets connected to them because it was harder to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. You were dealing with Judaism. You were dealing with Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes and scribes. So he said, but these ones are easy. You just go start preaching and the praise of God starts to flow. And I have seen that sometimes when our gifts thrive, we might be deceived that because our gift is accepted or it's expressed more efficiently in a certain realm, therefore it's the affirmation of heaven that we have been assigned. God does not assign according to gift. Neither does he regard gift to assign. He assigns and then he gifts. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the order of the spirit. So Peter seeing what happened in the house of Cornelius, he knew every time he goes around an Italian, he will connect. The next time we hear him in Rome, and while there, He's crucified upside down. And that's the end of Peter and the bath of the papacy. 590 years later. He built a monument in Rome that will never leave. But God had never signed Peter to go to Rome. It was never the will of God for Peter to go to the uncircumcised. Because the grace given to him was the circumcised. Let me tell you something. When you flow where God has assigned you, you will carry such a distinct grace on your life. It might be inconvenient. It might not agree with your credentials. It might conflict your qualifications. It might not suit your tests and preferences. But if God has assigned you in a place, you will see his hand and power like you have never seen before. Why? Because the vindication of your ministry, the vindication of the Spirit. You remember when I was talking about the vindication of the Spirit? Was it last week? The vindication of the Spirit. The vindication of the Spirit finds you where you're assigned, not where you're gifted. Or if there is a vindication with a gift, it's only to open up a world that you can never sustain. Because like the Bible says, your gift will create room. Remember when Paul was sleeping one day in a dream. While he was sleeping, the Bible says he had a dream, a vision appeared to Paul, Acts 16 verses 19 in the night. And there stood a man from Macedonia and prayed to him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. This was an assignment inviting Paul. Come over into Macedonia and minister to us. When he goes into Macedonia, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he goes to the Corinthians to explain to them what happened when he went where God had assigned. Verses 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, when we do you to wit, we want you to know of the, listen, grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. 
verses 3 for to their power i bear record yea and beyond their power they were willing of themselves verses 4 praying with us in much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints when paul went to macedonia they were pleading with him to take their money oh Today we live in a generation where men are telling them you're gonna give money. God says you gotta give money. If you don't give money, you will die. Some of you have been around men of God who say, now God has told me, if you don't partner with me, your business is gonna fail. He says, and this they did not as we hoped. But firstly, they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. When you are aware God has assigned you, they give themselves to you because they've given themselves over to God. So they submit to you by the will of God. There was somebody who was serving in the ministry and somebody called him and asked him, how much does Apostle Grace pay you? Because you can't do these things without a pay. And honestly, I've never paid that person, not even a coin. But that person who asks doesn't know that I'm in my assignment. I'm where God assigned me to be. He says, your people shall be willing in your day of power. Your people shall be willing. This is not only for pastors. If you're in a business where God has assigned you, <laughs> The challenge is some of you are coming from one unassigned job to another unassigned job to another unassigned job. You've educated children in an unassigned job. You've married in an unassigned job. Like you've never really sat where God has called you. The Bible says you will see grace where you are assigned. And you will not offend in the places where you could offend. Why? Because you are in the right position of the spirit in the right position of the spirit. There are people I know they could go on prayer mountains and pray all they want, define every disposition in the spirit they know how, in all propensity and order, they will never connect to what God has called them to do until they align themselves to where they were assigned. And this is the amazing thing about the assignment. If God has assigned you to be a security person, He does not reward you according to the way the world thinks. He rewards you according to his way. There is a security person perhaps who is earning more reward than even the men who are standing on these altars. There is an usher perhaps who is earning more rewards than the people who are standing on these altars speaking to you. because they have understood where God assigned them. It's never how big or how small, how belittling or how exalting. It's about where you have been assigned because grace is given where the assignment is. You're not less because you are seated in the back and you're serving in security. You're not less because you are somewhere in sound and nobody can see you. The Bible speaks of parts of the body which are modest. They are not even seen. For example, 
When you stand like this, they can see your hand. But can somebody show your pancreas? No. You understand what I'm saying? But imagine your pancreas was under attack. He says there are those members of the body which we think to be less. The Bible says we think, we think to be less honorable. Upon this we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. If I told you to show me your heart, you'd not show it. But if your heart stopped right now, it doesn't matter how much muscle you have on you, brother, you'll go. So you're not important because you're visible. Woo. You're not great because you're in front of the cameras. Woo. You're great because you're doing what God has called you to do. And you're doing it well. Hallelujah, praise God. You're doing it well. Some of you, you have gone off the course because of the little blessings that came your way. I know people who, when they start to relive their stories, they'll say things like, when I was in high school, I served God. When I was in university, I was in the scripture union. And they point back on a monument and you want to ask them, then what happened? You got a job, a big job in government. You got a big contract with the UN. You became this person in the country and you disconnected from the assignment that God gave you. Let me tell you, there is such a law as the law of fast links. There is a way God deals with the fast things, especially in your primal consecrations. These are very distinctive marks for every person who has worked with God to know when God began to speak to you, what were the first wells that he opened out of your spirit. Because everything in your life will always transition and grow out of that foundation. Back in the day, there was a business that I used to do. And I remember there was a contract that we used to have with a certain company. And so we're agents of a certain business. And I remember there was an Indian fellow who used to come in every once in a while in the country. He was not so efficient in his work. But every time the people that we were working with wanted to take those contracts off him, the contract off him, because he was not as efficient as to their targets. And every time he came in the country, he was willing to do anything and pay any price to retain his business. So somebody asks him, this thing is a very small thing. It was earning very little money. This guy had become a millionaire in dollars. So they ask him, why do you keep fighting for this little thing? And he said, this was my first link. This is an Indian man, a Hindu, saying this was my first link. Because the first link is of God. It's the first commitment of your consecration. It's a special thing before God. What was that thing that opened the womb of your ministry? And in transition, do you remember where it began from? Read the story of Joseph when he discovered that Mary was pregnant of a seed from God. 
The Bible says because he knew this was the firstling and it was of God, the Bible says Joseph did not lay with her until she gave birth to Jesus because he honored what was in that womb. That is why even in the usual understanding of things, many of you must know the power of first fruit. Some of you underestimate it. It's a very powerful thing. What is that thing that opened you up to God? What is that thing that you're supposed to be growing into? And what has it become over the years? He was warning the children of Israel once. He told them you're going to enter a land and you'll enter houses you never built. He told them you'll eat of vineyards you never planted. He told them when you enter this land, you will see the greatness and goodness of God. But he says, but do not forget the God who got you out of slavery. Some of you, you've forgotten the God who got you from that poor village. Some of you, you forgot the God who has made you something. There was a time you were nothing. The family you came from did not have enough to define you. Your credentials were not enough to even walk the streets of Kampala. You're the greatest version of everybody you're related to. The time you had nothing, you used to turn on the walls and seek God. When you still had two pairs of shoes. Very old wig and a dirty bag. When it rained, you were in a presence. You fasted for days. You sowed your last. And now you have a job paying you four million shillings. He told them in Deuteronomy, he says, beware that you forget not the Lord your God. Because he knew they could. He knew they could walk away. It's very possible for men to walk away from God. It's very possible for his goodness to take you out. Deuteronomy 8 verses 7. He says, for the Lord your God brings you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive and honey. A land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. You shall not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass. When you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. Beware, verses 11, that you forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Least when you have eaten and you're full and have built godly houses and dwell therein. When your herds, your flocks, your benzes, your BMWs, your silver and your gold is multiplied, you stop going to church because it has rained. You become so busy for his presence. But there was a time you had nothing and God had you. I'm talking to somebody. The Bible speaks of a man called Jeshurai. 
this man experienced God at such a dimension. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 verses 15, Jeshurun waxed fat. But Jeshurun waxed fat. But that means before there was something he was. God exalted this man and gave him all greatness you'd define. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked and thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, and thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. This was the only reason why Jeshua left God. He had so much. That is why I tell people, it takes a great chastisement of the Spirit and a defined death in God to have it all and still face that wall like you're nothing and still yearn and hunger for him more than necessary food and still be aligned to make him not only your first priority but the first priority definite article because I know many young men right now who are in these meetings and one day I'll find you on a flight flying first class and you look at me in the face and say, Pastor, I'm lost. Not because you didn't have time to fix to be in the presence, but because the greatness that is around you has blinded you from the purposes or the assignment of God on your life. That is why I pray for you. Doesn't matter how high or how big you'll ever be, may you never lose the hunger. May you never lose the wonder. May you never lose the heart that seeks and loves your God without excuse, without explanation, without anything. Without anything. Though he slay you, I pray that you'll stay trusting him. Like David says. He says, when riches increase, do not set your heart on them because it is possible to disconnect from God. I served with ministers whom even now I weep for. Who in their primal years of life, these men sought God, but the visas came in, the doors opened, the televisions started showing, the cameras were on them 24 seven, the suits became longer, the colognes became expensive. And I know men who no longer have time for the things of God. I know people who have left their first love. They are as anointed as they can be. They're demonstrating their gifts across the world. But when you check the book of heaven, many of them are not assigned. And it's a hard thing to explain to them that brother, you are anointed, but something departed off you. And it was an assignment. When God looks for people to use, he doesn't look for them. They are pursuing what doesn't seem to follow them anymore. Something has left, the brook has dried. Yes, they are as gifted or even more knowledgeable than they were according to the ways of men. But these simply are expressions of experience as of a man who has exercised himself in the same craft for so long, but not necessarily the true marks of a consistent maturation that you'd expect from a man who has worked with God. And the wisdom to tell the difference is a very fundamental aspect of divine thought because not many people understand what I'm saying right now, even though I'm speaking English. 
And I've seen men enter the presence of God so proud. They feel like some people are below them. They feel like everybody is less of their rank. That's the problem with the church. Was it Laodicea? The delusion. The delusion of Laodicea. He says they are lukewarm. Some of you, when you say lukewarm, you think lukewarm means, many pastors teach that lukewarm means that you're doing things for God and then you're not. No, 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 no. Lukewarmness begins with the wrong stand of your positioning in the spirit because you will not have the conviction to commit yourself to the things you must commit yourself to because you are deceived. He says, you are lukewarm. Read your Bible. He says, you are lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. He says, I will spew your works because, and he explains why he says they are lukewarm. Because you say, I am rich and increase with goods and have no need of nothing. And he says, you know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind. A man who is convinced that he is rich, he has all goods, is increased, he has no need of anything or anybody. Yet in the eyes of God, that man is poor, he's wretched, he's miserable, he's blind and naked. Underline the word blind. He can't even see his true positioning and place with God. I know men who think they are so rich, but when you go to heaven, when you see things through the lenses of the spirit, they are so poor. They're so poor that the devil has deluded their eyes to see as though they carry a wealth, which is actually, as the man of Ecclesiastes has taught in his maturations, that is vanity of vanity and vexation of spirit. These are things that Solomon tested to the end. He went to the end of all perfection and he met the word of God and discovered that the law was so broad. It was so deep that it still humbled him to a place to go and seek God like he never knew anything. Yet he was the wisest man ever. But there was still some that would still break him because he looked so insignificant when it came to who God was. He could still humble in his old age and still tell God that with all the wisdom you've given me more than any man before, I still find that your word is exceeding broad. You're deeper than I ever thought. That's the, let me call quagmire. Paul finds himself in when he's trying to explain God and he is sure he, he's an apostle of apostles. He knows this. He says, if anybody should boast, I can boast because I've seen God. I, I know the man who went here and went here, saw things which were not lawful to utter. But as he continues to demystify this mystery, at a certain point, he's overwhelmed by how big God is. And he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the glory of God. He's overwhelmed. He screams, all oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable, he says Romans 11, 33, are his judgments and his way past finding. This is a man who has seen it all. He laid the foundation. He has revealed the full counsel of God, but he has discovered that when you go to God, there are still deeper riches, both of wisdom and knowledge, and they're unsearchable. His judgments and ways are still so deep. It still pushes a man to get to a point where even though he has laid the foundation. He is the apostle. You hear him in the humility of expression saying, not that I've attained, but I seek that I may apprehend that which Christ apprehended me for. I still want to understand why me. You find folk who know nothing. People who don't even know the first steps of the spirit. 
and they are judging dimensions so higher than them their hearts are haughty like the psalmist says they exercise themselves in matters higher than them because they read a small book they saw a youtube video they think they know god they are judging everybody else that one eh, i give him two days that one doesn't know and oh i pray for myself because i find that it's very easy to be puffed up by how much you know and then one day stand before the lord of glory and realized you actually knew nothing it was visible manna it was for all who were available to access yet in revelations 2 he speaks of the hidden manna 17 there are things that are beyond human scrutiny they're not in the place of searching they are in the place of positioning if you are assigned they will find you it's not enough to be called and no called seeker can find them called c a l e d higher are you following what i'm trying to say if everything on the earth was designed to follow a certain pattern of assignment and calling what about you the most distinct creation of god man is the most distinct creation of god You're the greatest creation God has ever made in his hands. How can you not be assigned? How can you walk this earth without knowing who called you and how or where he called you? Are you following what I'm saying? So I have seen people who are in error not because they are bad people, not because they don't love the Lord, but because they have not understood the seriousness of being assigned of being assigned study isaiah the 6th chapter how does isaiah find his assignment he was a prophet by the time he encounters god in that heavenly experience when uzziah died he was already a prophet he was not a fellow walking on the road just doing nothing and then he found purpose assignment no He was seeking the Lord and the king Uzziah died and the next thing he sees is in the heavenly places he saw the Lord sitting on a throne lifted up and the train filled the temple and then he saw angels he had a full vision of heavenly experience and while he's there he's seeing the seraphims flying on the altar He comes in a place and meets Elohim, Father, Son and the Holy Ghost in a meeting. While they are concluding, they are looking for one to assign. He said I had a voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us plural? Who will go for us? This was a man seated in the comfort of his living room eating popcorn. This was a man consecrating himself by decision to hear and connect to what God was saying and while he's in that place the scriptures tell us he hears a voice whom shall i send and who will go for us then he said said i send me lord this was a prophet who was not assigned there were 7000 prophets in israel which were hidden from the eye of jezebel 
There were prophets, but they were not assigned. There was only one under persecution because he was assigned in that realm. He was assigned in that realm. That was Elijah. That is why to Elijah they were hidden because they were not functional. So it is with this. So it is with this. He said, send me. There were prophets on the earth. Isaiah was not the only prophet on the earth. There must have been people that God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were looking through the multitudes and them now saying, who will go for us? There are many, but who? They were looking for one individual. They were looking for everybody who wasn't called in the calling of the prophet. They were looking for one prophet. And that day happened that Isaiah was available. He didn't even hear the details the full details of the conversations before. But at least he was in time to feel the rumblings and convictions of the heart of heaven at the time when God needed a man to send. And I tell you, I can bear this before the God whom I serve and live before. I had similar experiences in my consecration. I had voices when God was looking for people to use. And I'll tell you something. When the Bible says that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Believe heaven. Those 8 billion people are looking for somebody who is assigned. They're looking for people who are assigned. The 8 billion people on the face of the earth because every harvest has an assigned laborer. That's why God doesn't tell you, pray, pray that people be saved. No. They are a harvest. That means God has already done everything necessary to get them in the kingdom. They're not a planting. Human beings are not to be planted. There is no season for you to wait for them to. No, God has done everything in the planting. He has prepared them already. Even the most hard-hearted, they just need to, to meet the right assigned individual. Everybody you see in the world as hard as they can be, there is a man who can change them. That man has just not arisen yet. Many of you listening to me were very hard people. You were stones. Even those who look at you cannot believe that you can still come in church. People look at you and they are shocked that you can go on a Thursday and sit in the presence of God. But I was their assigned laborer for you. Now, if I had disobeyed that call, it would mean that something would be out of tangent with your destiny. Unless God had to replace and now look for another man to assign. But somebody had to be assigned to get you in. Because there are people I know on these grounds. Except somebody was speaking these words, you'd not have come to church. Some of you were stumbled by the church already. Or some of you were too hard-hearted. You are from foundations of rebellion. You were born in rebellion. You even smelled it. It's only by the sheer grace of, and mercy of God that you met somebody that spoke the language you understood or somebody who understood you at least from where they were introducing God. Otherwise, you'd not have come. That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. How many people in the world by the billions are waiting because a certain person here on a funeral ground is not assigned? 
They are gifted, yes. They have their theologies. They have their masters. They have all of these uh, certificates that you would want the callers are whiter every other day. But we are not assigned by heaven. I tell you something. When a man is assigned by heaven, there will always be a vindication that justifies what God has placed on their lives for the sake of the people God has sent him to. Am I communicating? God said, when you understand this, ask me of nations. But you find a man who neither knows his calling nor election, but is asking for a nation. He can only spoil it. He can only use it for his carnal pleasure because he doesn't know what it takes for God to give you a nation. These are inheritances, but in the end they are sheaves. These are the people we carry to heaven and look back and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. When you understand your course, you don't waste time on who loves you, who doesn't love you. Because in heaven, I will show you the thousands of streaming centers. By then there will be tens and tens and tens of thousands of those streaming centers. And heaven will say there was a boy who walked the earth one day and that man preached the gospel. That's what I'll show. I'll not show my benzers. I'll not show my home. I'll not show my clothes. I won't show anything. I won't even present my wife or children. I'll show those that I preach the gospel to. Are you following what I'm saying? What will you show? Some of you, all you'll show will be your hair bands. You'll go to heaven with your certificates. While we're in the line, you're standing with your certificate, your masters in political science, masters in. While people are showing people transformed, for you, you're carrying your paper of IT. <laughs> you're in the line. You're standing in front of a guy who has done so much in God. The way heaven welcomes him, eh? you even hide your paper. <laughs> You tear it. Just a, a, No, no, you should have sung that when you... <laughs> but seriously, you understand what I'm saying? And I discovered this. Like everybody who is assigned, it begins with one thing. That in your consecrations, you capture a certain revelation of God. A certain revelation of God must come to your life. And to know that that revelation is of the assignment sort, it captures you as you capture it. I'm not talking about what you capture but has not captured you. I'm talking about what you capture and captures you. I'm talking about what captivates and takes your whole attention and becomes or surrounds your life and starts to define everything within you about God. And as you continue to agitate it, as you continue to press within it, as you continue to meditate on it, it starts to release to the world through your thoughts, through your actions, through your words, the glory of its expression. Once the world can start to see that, then you know you are assigned. But where does it begin from? From a certain revelation. 
there is a part of God you will see and you will never be the same again. I remember, I never thought I was going to be the kind to preach. I never thought I was, I was the kind to preach. I never thought that I was cut out to preach. Even today when I examine myself in the flesh, I'm still conscious of my inefficiencies and inadequacies. Believe me, I see them. What people see are the perfections of the expression of that revelation. But when I look at myself as a man, I know those inadequacies. Nobody needs to tell me. I don't need to look into the mirror. I've looked into it a thousand times and I know that the sufficiency is not of me as of to know anything by me. If you were calling somebody to preach, if you had put a hundred things to have been in this world, if they were in a list, preaching was not on my list to be as the last person you expected. Firstly, personally, I'm a very shy person. I hate eyes. I hate eyes. That's why you notice when I start worshiping, I first close my eyes because I don't want you to look at me until the glory comes over. You understand? Two, there was many things in me that I thought would not qualify me. I still up to today come to this altar without reverence and fear knowing very well that this man standing before you is only standing before you by God's grace. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. And I've had those moments when I've left the altar and gone alone to weep before God. And I asked him that one question, why me? I know it. And that's why I take this responsibility with so much humility. And I receive it with grace. Because every day I know you cannot do this for 10 years and you're still guessing. Guess what? We're making 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. And I think it makes you more vulnerable because every time you go to the presence, you hear the words telling you, it's not you. So you can never get used to me. You can never get used to the pattern. You can never you get used to the way because even when I write or prepare someone, sometimes I get on the pulpit and certain things take over and I'm not myself those other minutes. And the words that I've spoken, even I have to go back and receive and listen again because I know that the man on that altar is different from the man that plays basketball on Wednesday. I know it. I know it. I know this for sure. But let me tell you something very important. And many of you must understand. There is a place where God will stretch out his hand and say, can you be available? And I've known everybody who has sought God. At a, there's a certain place where you seek God and there's a day that hand will stretch out and say, are you available? I remember that day where he told me, make a choice. If you choose to go banking and do business and stuff, I'll make you so successful. No doubt you'll be a rich man. But that will be my permissible. That won't be my perfect. If you choose my perfect, persecution will come. This will happen. That will happen. But my glory will surely be steadfastly defined on your life. Why? Because you say yes to the perfect. And I tell you something. There are many people who are in the permissible wheel here. You settled for the path of least resistance. You settled for the things that are convenient with your job. Fanero grew to 2,000 members when I was banking. I woke up every day at 6 a.m. 8 a.m. I was on the banking table. By 6 p.m. I was out of the bank. I was out of the bank. Preaching the gospel every day. So those of you who think that you're working and you're doing this and you're doing that, let me tell you, there is no excuse big enough to serve God. There is no excuse big enough to serve God. Unless 
God says, okay, your assignment is in banking and this is where I'm going to do this. If that's where your assignment is, then invest all the time there. But that doesn't mean that you're going to break the pattern of fellowship. The Bible says, do not give up on the fellowship of the saints. Do not forsake the assembling as the manner of some is. Some actually hit shipwreck because they refused or failed to find time to be in the presence of God. There are people who are streaming because they are not able to be here. And the people who are streaming simply because they just don't want to be inconvenienced. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? And yet there's a person on this ground who is doing way more than you are doing. But they're in the presence because they are hungry. They still want to connect to what God is telling them. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? This is very important. This is very important. Because as we approach the last days and the madness you're seeing in the world, it's almost as though the world is putting us on pressure to be like them. And many people, including our fellow ministers, they are inclining now to the pressure of being like the world. Yet God says, come out of them. Come out of them. We cannot compromise on the gospel at any cost. This might cost visas, it might cost names, it might cost reputations. The little we care. But we cannot compromise where truth is required to speak. Because a time will come where I'll stand before God and he won't ask me how many visas were in my passport. But he will ask me, how many people did I minister to? And was I true to when he gave me the responsibility to preach to them? To speak the truth when I had to? To stand out instead of fitting in? Are you following me, child of God? So some of you, 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 you're still at the place of pleasing people. You're still at the place of pleasing flesh and blood. People who owe nothing to you and you owe nothing to. Hallelujah. Sometimes I weep when I see great people. You know this is an evangelist. You know this is a pastor. You know this is a teacher of the word. You know this is an anointed person. But they chose the path of least resistance. They chose the comforts of this world. And they're just satisfied coming in the presence of God and receiving all that they can receive and walking back home. There was a time I knew, and I know everybody has gone to this point, where you'll have to say yes. And yes, holy. Yes, fully. And you'll go in the wilderness. The word them will brew what wilderness is madbar. The root word is madvar. The place where God speaks. And when he starts to speak, that's where the devil speaks most also. That is why in the wilderness, Jesus encountered the devil. And the devil started to speak as well. Because the devil speaks where God is speaking most. But when you hear that voice, like I said, God starts to teach you. God starts to kill you. And he starts to test your maturity. Once you go through that consecration and come out, led by the Spirit, the Bible says, like Jesus did, you come out in the power of the Spirit. Something comes upon you, a sudden anointing comes upon you, you don't need to step on the foot. You might be a business person, but when you do business with that kind of anointing, as a man or woman who went through the wilderness, 
the realm functions differently with you. That's why the Bible says, so an entrance shall be opened unto you into the everlasting kingdom, the everlasting realm of God. There's a realm that will open to you and you will not function under the principles or the rules of the fallen world. Something will elevate you above how they function. But I know many Christians at the sound of my voice who are literally enslaved in the systems of your qualifications because you've not still found yourself. And you don't know the difference either. So you think you're working hard, but you're not serving God. You're actually being enslaved. It has disconnected you from your family. It has disconnected you from your children. You can't raise your children, right? It has disconnected you from your from yourself. It has disconnected you from your personal commitments and, 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 and time with God. Everything in your life is out of tangent and tandem. Why? Because you're serving this master. Mammon. The things you're willing to do for that five million or four million, you're not willing to do for the kingdom. You're gone. You just don't know yet. Eventually you forsake. Some die very good people in the church, but they were not functional. Hallelujah. I'm not saying don't work hard at your workplace, but find your assignment. Find your assignment. Get that one revelation. Because I remember in my primal years when in university, all these things in consonance, there was just one revelation that hit my spirit. And every time I started to take in and meditate on that revelation and feed on that revelation, it became so a part of my life that it entered my thoughts, became part of my words and became part of my actions. And every time I started to speak the revelation, the manifestation, of its power and glory started to come forth. And every other day I saw the winds of the Spirit blow me to the position of my assignment. So some of you, it might not come like next week, a prophet will not come to you and tell you, this is who you are. Because many of you are not able to handle if somebody told you what you are spiritually. There are people right now who say, I want to know my assignment. But if somebody said it right now, you'd not be able to handle it. It's not even for you to know right now. Because for you, you probably don't even have the language to interpret even if it was spoken in English because English is not a sacred tongue. It's just any other tongue or language. So there are things that we can define spiritually that English might never be able to explain or any other human language. Those are the things Paul saw. He saw things which the human language had no power to put into words. And it's where he received his assignment. Every man goes through this. Every man goes through this. But for that invitation, God will say, you know, let me throw these things on your life for you to continue seeing and seeing and seeing until one day you receive a certain revelation in your spirit that will revolutionize your understanding of me. And out of that, it shall be expressed in your words, in your action, it shall be the only thing that feeds your world and thrives in the world where men are not. Because in your world, this eon of yours, many things can take course. I know people, that is why some of you, when you are alone, you find yourself wasting yourselves. When you are alone, that's when you think to do something ungodly. Because your eon 
is already distracted and disrupted with many things. Many spirits are operating in your world. Many doors are opened to know your true self. You must square yourself against the things you do in solitude or the thoughts that are in your mind when you are alone. It's a very important thing where no eye can see. But when this revelation hits your spirit, it fills your world and takes you. It takes you. I don't know how to explain, but it takes you. And once it takes you, you become it. It's your words, it's your expressions, it's your actions, it's everything. This is the one thing I know I could lose anybody for. This is the one thing I know I could lose anything for. This is the one thing I know I could die for. This is the one thing that I found in Christ. Because it's a revelation of Him. If you've not been invited to that revelation yet, be not deceived. You could be gifted all you want. You could sing this choir one, two, three weeks and tomorrow or two weeks later, they find that you left the choir because Mama Sandra offended you. That's a person who has not yet understood their assignment. That's a person who has not understood assignments. And when a man understands their assignment, they cannot be petty. They can't be petty. They can't let the flesh or anything done in the flesh dissuade them of the course that God has designed for them. Because they know the power of that disposition and the price that it comes with. You find ministers who are easily offended and you know this person is not assigned. A man who is assigned if Elisha did not understand his assignment, the assignment given to him was simple, follow Elijah. Because the mantle going on your life must come as you observe the ways of this man and you cannot simply look at him when he's reaching out for a towel. You have to serve him and reach out for that towel and put it in his hand. And you're not, it's not simply the giving of the towel in that man's hand, but it's the opportunity you have to invite him or to allow him invite you in the spaces where you are able to observe his way. Paul speaks of, for you have seen my ways which be in Christ. You have known my manner of life. You see, why? Because this is a mantle coming on this man. Now, if Elisha is the kind which can be easily offended, if you are Jericho, he tells you, tarry here. Guy says, I've served this guy for four months, four years. Eh? And I know he's going. The Lord showed it to me. The guy there want to release his mantle. And he's telling me to stay here. What am I going to do at Bethel? Okay, let him go. I killed my animals, my father's animals. I left my ox. I left her wealth back home to follow this fool. For four, five years, the guy can tell me, tarry in Bethel. Let me go back to my parents. Oh, and then they come to this person. Why did you leave Elijah? Ah, no, 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 no. He's a hard man. How can you serve a guy for four years? And the Lord reveals to you that he's going at the point where you know that you are, and, and this is the first seed. This is the first fruit. He's the firstborn, remember? You remember the inheritance of the firstborn son? They get double the portion. That's why the Bible tells us that Elisha received the double portion of Elijah because he was the first. He was not the only servant of Elijah, but he was the first in rank. And so simple offense. God is testing his heart. Are you going to frustrate your destiny 
because you can easily be offended. I know as a prophet Elijah that you Elisha know that I'm going. Now let me test your spirit because this thing going to fall, it cannot fall on men who carry offense. Terry in Bethel, I'll come for you. Oh, I'm coming back. Oh, I know you're living. You tarry. And I know many who would say, this guy didn't love me. And turn back and go back to your father's animals to feed. But this man knew that when it comes to an assignment, you don't be petty. You don't become emotionally unstable and indifferent to what God wants to put on your life. He says, for as long as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Three times he was rejected. And when the mantle fell on him, on three times, he was vindicated. In every place he was rejected. Because wherever you're rejected, if you're on a pattern of a mantle or assignment, there is your vindication and justification one day. Everywhere you saw delay and rejection, you'll have acceptance and honor. But not many people are disciplined enough to let the process work through them. There are people who are simply one insult away from leaving the church. The pastor told me, I will never, let me tell you, if that's the man God has mantled, a woman God has mantled, and you're the chosen vessel for the extension of her anointing or his anointing, heaven does not care how much offense you carry against him. There was a reason why even when the anointing left Eli, God still left Samuel under the tutorage of Eli, a man who has fallen. Or when he introduces himself to Samuel, he still has to talk like Eli because he still respects the counsel of the fallen oracle. Now, if Samuel was the kind who would say, ah, that guy, he's not even hearing God. The spirit has departed of him. Why do you think even when the anointing of the king had departed of Saul, God would not let David touch Saul? He wouldn't. Even in cutting the skirt, God tells the guy, you have gone out of divine order because much as I've anointed you as a king, the office, the assignment is on that man. And until you learn to submit to it and he becomes your father. Much as I love you, a man after my own heart, David, this thing will not mantle you. Until he goes to the last end and then he kneels before the man. For the Lord has said, I should not touch his anointing. Saul turned and said, is that David my son? When he owned him spiritually as my son, immediately Saul was killed and David became king. If Saul had never pronounced David as his son, it doesn't matter how anointed David was, he was not going to be assigned, even though he was anointed as king. The anointing fell on him as king by the hand of Samuel. But the office of assignment still stayed on Saul because God is trying to tell David, I don't care how much anointed you are, when it comes to this office, you must do your dues. You must pay the price. There is a process to this. Many are gifted. Many are anointed. But very few are assigned. Speak to Jesus. Jesus draws me closer, closer, Lord, to Thee. And the world around me, it fades away. 
speak to Jesus. Jesus draws closer, closer, Lord, to Thee, and I desire to worship and be. Speak to Jesus. Jesus and the world around round around and somebody raise your voice and let's speak to Jesus Speak to Jesus. Speak to Jesus. Rekatala marando bredegosi adadadebosi Keshura rabazo bradega somtalapa Help us Jesus mashantala paradega sobradegata Rakosele paradegosi bradegatolepa Eshura dadadebosa bradegata Come on speak to Jesus speak to Jesus Mekatala palatela paradegosi Tell him God I found my assignment mashata obradega zantala kote I need to find myself in you for the Bible says if you do these things you shall never fall. Come on, speak to Jesus. Signs of miracles and wonders are happening now. Rakotele paradega zombra dega shakatalapa Eya shorobo gozibra dega sanalaba Eya shompre dege teleporodo Keshalalalalelebosatalapa Eko shibara dego zombra dega ta Let it be your heart's cry tonight 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 Tell him God I need to find myself and I can only find myself in my purpose. I need to find myself in what you have assigned me. And receive full clarity of that instruction. Oh, <laughs> 
Such a unique way. I feel that certain people on these grounds are getting a hold of something so big. Somebody receive whatever God is releasing today. Power of the Holy Ghost. Power of the Holy Ghost. There's a man, there's a woman on these grounds that is so surrendered. And I believe that this message comes. The ones I'm talking about know. The ones I'm talking about know. The ones I'm talking about know. The ones I'm talking about know and they feel what I'm saying. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, consecrate your people. Take them to the next level. Give them a vision of you like they have never seen. Give them an experience of your expressions like they have never experienced. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There is healing here. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing. Believe God tonight for your miracle. Believe God tonight for your miracle. Now, there are people here and you say, I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.